Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Welcome. Hey, hey. Welcome. Hey, hey. We got a great show planned for you today. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, man. It's packed from top to bottom. <laughs> wow. We've got a real one for you. Yes, we do. Yes, <laughs> we, we do. What, have what, any what do we have in store? Tate? Uh, well, we've got a little news like normal. Yep. Um, and I am going to throw some surprises at you because that's my favorite thing to do. I, right now you're using the word surprise, but like five minutes ago, it was like, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you <laughs> with like some fighting words. Yeah. No. So I'm actually a little scared to. Uh, no, don't be. Don't be. I am. I, I'm going to throw some some nice lobs. <clears throat> OK. You watched the Home Run Derby? No. Recently? I saw pieces of it. Well, so did I. And let me tell you, those guys are talented. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I'm going to lob some, hopefully some. What? What's a more legitimate what? competition out of <laughs> home run derby, slam dunk contest, or long drive? Long drive, long drive contest. Oh, my goodness. What's the more legitimate competition? Yeah. Where do people actually take it more seriously? And it's a better display of talents. Long drive. Long drive for sure. If the home run derby took into account distance, then yeah. it would be pretty, I think it would be pretty equal. That is true because it's just, it's it's a one or a zero. It's either a home run or it's not. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, because the, the slam dunk competition is just an exhibition. And, of, it, and it's also degraded into like the people who are willing to do it. Right. It used right. to be everybody who got invited dunkers. would go. Yeah. Yeah. You had like Dominique Wilkins. You had Spud Webb. Yes. Five foot eight Spud Webb in like the 92 dunk contest. And then Vince Carter. Do yes. you remember Vince Carter yeah, days? Of course. Oh, man. The little retro Raptors jersey. Yeah. Dude, dude, hanging from his elbow. Yep. What do they call that? What do I they call that when I they don't do remember. that? I remember just doing that. It's like that. a skinny dip or something. Yeah. There's a name for it. Oh, those were the good days. They were good, but. It's not the same anymore. Long drive competitions. Have you seen the guys who do that, by the way? No. They could also probably be in like Mr. Olympia. <laughs> just big dudes. They're just big old honking dudes with good flexibility. Yeah. And they just absolutely obliterate Crush the ball. Yeah. Which I guess isn't That's totally fun. unlike MLB. <laughs> but 90s is, MLB, like Mark McGuire. It's Barry a little Bonds. different though, too, because it's a league of its own. Like long drive is kind of a league of its own. Okay. Yeah. Right. Oh, right so it's right. not a fair. That's not fair. Okay. So you're saying, oh, I, I get what you're saying. So the PGA Tour professionals would have to have a long yeah. drive competition to make it equal to like the home run derby. Yeah. Which I guess they don't, huh? Well, they, we're just getting off into the weeds with this. This is, I'm, I'm trying I to like just, this though. That's, that's fun. fun. It is fun. Um, that's, that's kind of what you and I are good at, right? Uh, but no, I, I, I think the show today is pretty mellow. Unless there was anything else you wanted to add about the home run derby no. and competition. No, we have basically the one big kind of big news story that we has our has us scratching our heads a little bit. And I think that's it. And whatever you're gonna come at that's, me with. That's the major news. Yeah, today I've got, I've got my armor on. A short episode, yeah. Tyler's got his defenses up, got the old dukes up. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to come at you with a couple things. I just want you to give me some solid opinion. Okay. You, I happened to play this video a little while ago, and Tyler saw it, and he's like, he had an, a strong opinion. I'm not going to – he had a very strong opinion. I want him to defend that opinion in front of everyone. Okay. So now you're a little bit more prepared. But tell us about what happened this week in 3D printing. Well, big in our world – was this news that Nano Dimension went out and purchased like 12.12% of outstanding Stratasys shares. Uh-huh. Ordinary shares, whatever that means. It, 
Mm. I'm not a stone colder. <laughs> We're definitely a little bit out of our element here talking about the intricacies, you know, of this deal, which has never stopped us from sharing no, our opinion. We can past. only speculate. <laughs> totally. Uh, so my understanding is that it means they, they bought them on the public market. So instead of going to Stratasys and negotiating an equity purchase and really they bought them out instead of that they bought them on the public market so it would be as is that why they're called ordinary shares because they just okay i I hope that's right well it sounds right to me it does sound right so (laughs) yeah so they went out and bought them on the public market okay so they they were shares that you or i or whoever could have sold i and, and again Full disclosure, not invested here, not yeah. invested in anything in stonks other than my uh, my 401k, which I don't know what the heck's going on <laughs> with it. I know I just keep putting money yeah. towards it. Um, but anyway, red is bad. Black yeah. is good. This is the first time that I can recall hearing of a big company, a big OEM, investing in another big OEM, 3D printing or not. Yeah. That would be like Chevy buying 12% of Ford or something. Well, maybe not because Nano is not considered like one of the big three, but say like Fiat or, Mm -hmm. or some, you know, Jaguar or something came and bought 12% of, of Chevy. I think it's unusual because I'm in the same boat. I tried to do some research and figure out like, what does it even look like when a public company goes out and on the open market and buys a significant portion of another public company, why would you do that? And is there, what's the precedent for that? I'm, 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 I know it's not unprecedented, but it's, it seems very unusual. We're going to keep our fingers to the pulse of this thing. And we're going to, we're going to bring it to you. We're going to bring it to you live if we can. Yeah, for real. Um, and, and it's not a merger. It's not an acquisition. It's basically an investment as if nano dimension is using their cash on hand and putting it to use in the sense that they're investing in a more mature player in their same space. Like nano dimension has a lot of cash on hand. And this is, we've talked about it over the years now. Oh, it's actually been two plus years now. We've been talking about this. This is cool. Nano dimension. Has it been two? We, We haven't been on the air for two years. Not quite. Not quite. Yeah, if we do, we should Very have close. a party. We need to find out when that is. It's like October of 2020. Yeah. I'm excited for the day when we have enough episodes out there that nobody ever listens to our first like 10 <laughs> anymore. Because those are the ones where we're singing along like we're we didn't have any intro no music. Intro music. Nothing. Do, 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 do. Yes. Go at it. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Um, so I guess the whole the second round of uh, actually the whole meme stock era was early 2021, right? Late 2020, early 2021. And Nano Dimension got caught up in that a bit. They did. Right? <clears throat> did. I told you about the guy that I went, I was golfing one day and I bumped into that guy and he's like, oh, you're in 3D printing? Yeah. Because he asked what I did for work and he's like, have you ever heard of Nano Dimension? Yeah, exactly. And this was during that era. There was a period of like six or eight weeks where suddenly all your like distant relatives and friends are like texting you. Hey, you ever heard of this uh, nano dimension company? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And every it was all everyone wanted to talk about. We're sure. Like scratching our heads like, what is what is going on here? Totally. Totally. So I'm through through that. I mean, part of the I buzz was say, I can't say too much well i'll let you continue so part part of it was you know their their stock went as high as around 17 dollars, pretty high and it was seen as this growth stock and they raised a ton of money and they're as of within the past 30 to 60 days they're still sitting on like 1.3 1.4 billion in cash raised from all of that what do you do with that you know you got to you got to put it to work somehow, especially with. Well, we've talked about this plenty, you know, with desktop and, and everyone else that's got cash on hand. What are they going to do with it? Yeah. What's interesting here is they went this route. 
What the it heck? Is, it is. What the heck does it mean? Oh, I don't know. There's 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 a conspiratorial side of this. Can you give it to us? I mean, a one one conspiracy theory. <laughs> yes. And I would say this is totally unsubstantiated. I think I know where you're going with this. I mean, we we kind of okay. So remember when when uh, Elon bought he bought like nine percent of Twitter. Yeah. Yep. And through this through a similar method, right through the shares, and he got a seat on the board. And there were there was an agreement there, like you're you're not going to buy more than fifteen percent, whatever. And um, and then he started talking about buying the whole company through through the through a share purchase. Which that would be a negotiated thing. And long story short, there was some pushback, and you had some people who were for it, some people who were against it, whatever. And this, uh, this idea of a hostile takeover started entering the uh, this Main, mainstream. The mainstream, like a hostile takeover, basically, like you could take over a company through share purchases either individually or as a collective, and you could become a serious enough decision maker or you could potentially hold enough shares to be the sole decision maker. And so the, the conspiracy here is like, is that the next, is that, is this the first step towards that? Like, hey, Stratus is a big player in the professional market. So could you influence? Well, <clears throat> how many other big, <clears throat> excuse me, how many other big players are there on the board with Stratasys? Well, there's a handful. Do there's you know a... them? Sure. I'm not trying to put you on the spot on the spot. Yeah. But like that as far as public companies go? Well, I mean, 12%, right? That's a huge chunk. Like you oh, just said, you're talking about shareholders e of Stratasys. Elon bought 9% of yeah, yeah, Twitter, yeah. and that's enough to have a seat at the board. Okay, I understand so what you're saying. So is 12% enough to have a seat at the board with Stratasys? That I have no idea. See, this is I where no we idea. get into speculation mode. Yeah, because so does that does that make nano dimension, like in the listing of shareholder size, where does that where does that put them? It's hard to say. But it does make a difference. Like a company that we've talked about in the past, Nikola, Nikola mm -hmm. Motors. Yep, yep, yep. They're yep. having some issues over the past week or two. Again? A little bit. It's related to kind of what we're talking about. The They cycled out their leadership. Yep. <clears throat> and now they have new leadership and they want to do a, uh, they want to produce more stocks. I forget the name of they want to produce more shares. Yeah. And it has to go to a vote. And they can't get that the lowers vote. the value of everyone's it shares, dilutes. right? Yeah, okay. it dilutes the values. So their the biggest number one shareholder is Trevor Milton, and he won't vote for it. They can't get it done. So ah. they need at least a 50% vote. And they're at like 49.5%. He controls like he individually controls like 12% and then he has an investment vehicle with like another 8%. So he individually has like 20% say in, in what's going on and they won't, he, they can't get him on board. So they can't, but there's another this. 20 plus percent available that they could be influencing. Right. Cause he what doesn't do own the four or 50 and a half percent. No, he owns, he controls more 20%. or less about 20%. So there's other influencers that could yeah. tip the scale. Yeah, but that's one. That's one person. That's a that's a big swing. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the situation is in terms of um, ownership. Well, let me give the listeners some context. Okay. Um, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with Nano Dimension, they print PCBs, and I'm just going to read. That's their primary application. Yes, their primary application, and this is through an inkjet. I'm quoting inkjet process so yeah. it's not too dissimilar from polyjet it has a lot of similarities to polyjet they basically do two materials they do a dielectric non-conductive material and then they do a material that is um, like silver suspended in a solvent the solvent dissolves and you end up with a conductive silver trace and their primary application is pcb 
but they do antennas and other conductive style uh, applications. Well, then I don't even need to read this, but <coughs> I am getting what information I'm reading right now from 3dprint.com, okay. who we have no affiliation with whatsoever. Nope, but they're good guys. They have a good podcast. Yeah, too. and I like their uh, I like their news source. Um, so anyway, we basically there was a statement from Stratasys leadership that I want to read. The Stratasys leadership or mm-hmm. the Nano Dimension leadership. Stratasys. Because it's confusing. Oh, no, no, no. Both Sorry. Are... Yoav Stern. Yeah. Um, who shares a first name, right? Yoav. Yeah, it's a very popular name in Israel. Okay. <laughs> so, Yoav Stern, who is the chairman and chief executive officer for Nano Dimension, um, commented on it. And I'm going to read that. Okay. And I want to get your thoughts on it. Maybe let's just read it in parts. Okay. We'll <laughs> chop it up. All right, so the purpose of Nano Dimension in buying Stratasys shares the, shares is the formation of a strategic investment in a market leader, which is well-established in a relatively seasoned market segment. Okay. Uh, while Nano Dimension's disruptive technologies in AME and 3D metal printing supply its shareholders with value created by accelerated growth and expansion curves. The heck does that mean? Well, the just second, a bunch of mumbo jumbo. This, the second part there? The first part, it's it's pretty cryptic and it doesn't say a lot, but he used the word, you know, it's a strategic investment, which tells you that this is part of the puzzle. Like, this is a play for the shareholders. Of is what it sounds like to me. Nano dimension. Yes. Well, yeah. They're trying to sure. create some movement. Make some people some money. So you think that it's an effort to affect their own stock price? That's what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, it could be. That's my speculation. Yeah, it could be. You know, like I said, they're sitting on a lot of cash on hand and you have to do something with it. Uh, They have used it for some acquisitions recently and they announced a stock buyback as well. $100 $100 million stock buyback. And the thought is that this stock purchase is roughly $150 million um, on their cash on hand. But the strange thing, the thing I can't figure out with Nano Dimension is they have over a billion cash on hand. But if you look at their market cap, which is what the market says their company is valued at, it's about half that. So how that... How does that work? You know, it's like you have, I don't a, you know. have $100 in your pocket, but your net worth is $50. I guess. It doesn't. Typically, if you have cash on hand, like that's in a more typical scenario, like that would be the bar, like the basement valuation. Because if nothing else, if you have no IP, if you have nothing, if you have no inventory, then you, they you have, have to least, do things like this. The cash. They have to. Well, you know, especially with like inflation. Can I make a horrible analogy? Yeah. Yeah. Is you ready for this? I mean, the way I see it, and, and obviously it's simplest in the terms you put it. I have a hundred bucks in my pocket, but I'm only worth 50. Yeah, it's not super accurate, but yeah. If I if I start a lawn mowing mowing company, right? Like I'm some kid, I decide I want to start mowing lawns. Yeah. I'm the only employee, right? I've got my little Ford Ranger, yeah, a trailer and some lawn mowing equipment. I can only mow so many lawns in a day, right? This is like someone coming up to me and being and thinking that I'm like Salt Lake's biggest uh best landscaping company and being like hey do you do you want to double the amount of of money you make here's here's a bunch of money here's what i think you're worth and me just ending up with too much money yeah. and not knowing what the hell to do with it like yeah. okay i guess i should buy so i should hire some more employees who can do the same job i'm doing and okay that's not fast enough and we're not growing fast enough so maybe i can go buy one of those uh landscaping companies yeah and then you're just it, would it be kind of more like that? Uh, kinda. So my analogy would have been like, hey, you have this landscaping company, you have some good mowers, and you have a checking account with 
cash mm-hmm. in it. And then someone comes and says, I'll buy your company for half the amount of cash that you have in the account and I'll get all of your equipment and I'll get all your talent and everything like that. That's what that analogy is. But to use your point, like if you have a bunch of, if you're this business and you have a bunch of extra cash and you have to put it to work and you start investing in other landscape companies. So you start buying equipment for other landscaping companies or whatever, or buying equity in other landscaping companies so that if the landscaping business in general grows in the Valley, you grow with it. So it diversifies a little bit and it hedges against your own uh, stunted growth. Like it hedges against any issues that you would have growing your own business. Is it the best way to use your money um, versus like buying more equipment for yourself or expanding in like your marketing division? Well, the problem here is if they have to invest, they would, if they were to use it for themselves, because they're a company that's known for what they do, they would continue to reinvest it in there. But what if they are at a, they're capped out. They're up against like, these are, this is the best we can do based on current technology. Well, maybe, um, I guess that's probably unlikely. One big difference here is, is, um, you know, they bought something of value and they can sell that. So it's a little bit different than building a bunch of machines. Yeah. You build a bunch of machines, the, 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 the value of those machines depreciate, you know, as soon as they're made. Whereas this, this actually could go up or could go, or could go down, you know, it's kind of like Tesla buying a bunch of Bitcoin. Yeah, I guess. Kind of. It's an, it's an investment. As we know, that affected stonks all over the place. Oh yeah. Yeah. So why not on a smaller scale? This is the same thing. Okay. I'll I'll move into the next sentence here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hence, an investor in NanoDimension will gain from its value creation in blue ocean type AM sectors, plus having strategic upside from investment in Stratasys, which enjoys a commanding presence in large, stable, more mature, mostly polymer-based AM technologies. Yeah. Okay. So what he's saying there is that it's acknowledging the fact that the NanoDimension technology is ahead of the curve in terms of market adoption. It is highly innovative and doesn't, hasn't really found um, significant product market fit. So the idea of a blue ocean technology is one that is so new, there's no competition and when you look out at the growth potential, you're just looking out at open seas. You can go anywhere and the potential is immense and the competition is nowhere to be seen. The opposite of that would be a red ocean uh, market. Red ocean market is highly saturated market, cutthroat competition, just a bloodbath. So blue ocean uh Blue ocean markets are a little bit speculative and very future looking, meaning the return. So what he basically what he's saying is the return on you buying nano dimension currently with us is it's a long term investment. But now when you buy a nano dimension stock, you're also buying into Stratasys, which is a mature, well-established growing um, market players. So he is definitely speaking to investors, to your point. He definitely is speaking to people who buy the stocks, buy and sell, um, and indeed DM. So here's, okay, I just read ahead a little bit and I just had a thought, so we'll get there, but let me finish this part of the statement. Uh, in contrast, NanoDimension's material development, thrusts, and business model strategy are centered around metals with electromechanical conductive parameters, metals with superior mechanical qualities, dielectric material, and printing of multidimensional electronic devices and mechanical parts. So it's just explaining that 
theirs is not a mature or similar technology or space, right? I think some of that language is maybe starting to incorporate technology from like some very recent acquisitions within the past couple of weeks. They paid $13 million or so for Formatech and Admatech. And those are a ceramic and metal printing technologies. It's kind of sister companies. Because although they print this silver material, I wouldn't have classified nano dimension as a metal printing technology. Um, it has some metal in it, but structural, no, not even, not a structural metal at all. Whereas Formatech, I think, borders on that. So he's incorporating some of these recent acquisitions, okay. which in this, uh, to, to buy to buy these 3D printing companies for in whole for $13 million is a pretty deep discount from even a year ago, which in some ways is an argument against using as much of the money as you can right now. Because if, if they were sitting, they were sitting on all that money a year ago and they sat on it and they delayed the acquisitions a year, they probably are paying like 50 to 80% discount on those companies than if they had purchased them a year ago. So, well, I guess that's a, that's, well, let's finish it with this and then I'll give my last little tidbit on this. Incidentally, Mr. Stern concluded, we may increase or decrease our investment in Stratasys subject to market conditions and other economic factors while keeping it under the framework and envelope, which will evolve from the description above. So this is very flexible. Yeah. This is like, one, they were able to get in. Um, They didn't have to negotiate with anybody. Uh, They just got in. Now they're a 12% owner Mm -hmm. in Stratasys. And that may be enough to help them make decisions down the road, whatever it might be, or influence things heavily. Yeah. But they have a a ton of flexibility here. And that... That it's very open-ended, right? Well, like just, and, and they didn't have to negotiate for the 12%, right? Like they didn't have to. Sure. There's no term agreements. There's no yeah. dollar amount. It's just, hey, let's. Well, because it's not a merger. Let's 12% of what it's, it's at now. not an acquisition, now. you know? Usually you would get a discount. If you went through and negotiated, you would you would get a discount on that. So I think you pay a premium for just doing it on the open market. Um, and the, and the flexibility of that, but I still think there's paperwork that has to be filed with the sec. If you're going to buy over 5% of a company, although because it's a company that threshold, maybe 20%, I'm not sure exactly. So anyway, the, uh, it's a little ominous. Like we may buy more, we may buy less. I don't know. We'll find out. So it's a little cryptic. And I, I suspect that there's people who read that and uh, it makes them feel uneasy. I don't yeah. know. I would. I mean, if I were a, a person on the board at Stratasys, I would feel a little queasy about it. Um, queasy, maybe. maybe not, but I don't know. It's just a strange thing yeah. to see your competition buy a little piece of you. Not yeah. that they directly compete. They're totally in different, um, I guess, mar- it's the same market, but totally different segments of the market. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, say (laughs) more analogies. Yeah. Say you have some property in a neighborhood, you know, and like someone comes in and buys the property next to you. And, uh, they're like, yeah, maybe I'm going to buy the property behind you. And maybe I'm going to buy the property on the other side of you. I don't know. And maybe I'm going to put up a barn here that blocks the sun. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, it would be it would make me uneasy for I, sure. The only it, it may or may not make me uneasy. Just to, it really comes down to the details of how much equity is out there. You know what I mean? Like, let's say on one extreme, let's say 100 percent of the company is out there on the public market. So theoretically, someone could 
probably come and buy easily 50% of that and control the direction of your company. That's like one extreme end. It's not going to be like that, but let's say it's some significant, some not insignificant portion, or maybe when it comes down to decisions, like they're already on the fence. So a 12% swing one way or the other is essentially as good as owning 50%. You know what I mean? For sure. It's like the Congress, right? In the Congress, it comes down to one or two people. And although you have in the Senate, you have a hundred votes, but all of the discussion is like, what are these one or two people going to do? And they may as well have all hundred votes. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's only like that because it's split so closely. Like if it was, if it was split, um, disproportionately disproportionately then it would ne- that would never happen no yeah. one person would ever have that much say well it, if you want to get a little more conspiracy theory i don't know what this means but um in the 2012 merger with object stratasys mm-hmm. became partially israeli owned yeah right um now uh nano dimension is also israeli owned mm-hmm. so there could be some synergies there that al- that align the headquarters and are like basically walking distance from each other are they yeah have you been no i wish i'd love to go to israel yeah I have not i've heard there. it's great yeah so who knows um yeah. here this article actually speculates a little <laughs> does it if i can read this this portion too okay um if the two were to form a single entity it would create the only major oem capable of electronics 3d printing Um, Though this is still an emerging sector, it's obvious that companies ranging from Google to Apple, as well as every major military, uh, is researching electronics 3D printing. Read that again. Uh, If let me let me read the first part. Okay. Given that through its 2012 merger with Object Stratasys is also partially Israeli, the synergies with Nano Dimension are strong. If the two were to form a single entity. It would create the only major OEM capable of electronics 3D printing. So right now it's already the only okay. um, electronics 3D printing <laughs> that's company. Just, that's just a dig that on it, Nano Dimension. It's like Nano Dimension really is like the only person doing people so doing. So is that just saying that they're not a major yeah, OEM? That's all that sentence means to <laughs> okay, me. When I read okay, that. I like that. Well, I don't. I mean, that's, well, that's a strange sentence. <laughs> well, a lot of the sentences are. I mean, that's kind of why we're dissecting it. Yeah. And there's it, some fluff. There's always some fluff. Well, you only have the one press release to go off of, you know? And there's not a lot to it. And it's so unusual. It's just kind of unusual behavior. I don't know. I think it's less, maybe because it's less business strategic and it's more just financial, financially strategic. This is a I weird think. one for me. Yeah, it's I, I still feel like to, to wrap this up, for me, my thoughts are it's a play to the shareholders. It's It may or may not have some bigger implications on Stratasys. But right now, I'm kind of just thinking Stratasys is just that. It's the biggest fish. It's the white whale. It's the most consistent. Um, everybody knows who they yeah. are. In in all reality, it's if, brand recognition. Yeah, I think so. I I think in all reality, it has zero effect on Stratasys at this point, and it shows Nano Dimension shareholders that, you know, hey, we're we're a good place to to invest. But um, beyond that, it's all speculative. Totally, all speculative. Totally, we don't know what the heck we're talking no. about. All kinds of things could be happening. I know. We don't know. Okay, so this next little portion here, I want to get into the five best printers. The on five the market. best printers. Mm-hmm. Okay. The five best printers. Not all Stratasys. <laughs> In fact, not one of them are Stratasys. What so, what list? This is the YouTube list. Yeah. So I the, our YouTube of the day won't necessarily be a channel. Okay. Or a video. Okay. It's going to be YouTube itself. Okay. So YouTube today, uh, I I, t- I typed in 3D printing. That's okay. it. I just typed in 3D printing. 
and I scrolled through like the first two pages of videos Mm -hmm. and they are all like the best printer or the best five printers or check this out. It's it's pretty lists, just lists. Yeah. Or and it's almost all it's almost exclusively FDM. Okay. There's a little bit of resin in there and with the recent kind of affordable resin yeah. printers coming out on, on I've definitely seen videos like this with other categories. And after I watched a couple, I realized these are the, some of the worst videos that are available. Yeah. So this one that I clicked on was top five best 3D printers of 2022. I am guilty of finding these lists for other things too, but I totally adhere to the, I'm like, oh yeah, they they even have a link for me. I click the link, I go to the thing. This is five best motorcycle helmets. It's a hundred percent an affiliate marketing funnel. hundred percent is what it is. It's such a bummer. It's such a bummer because like to go back to the motorcycle helmets, if I were in like the motorcycling industry, I would know the brand names that are the best, right? Yeah. Like Arai, Shoei, like those are the best helmets you can get. But to go click on a link that says best motorcycle helmets 2022 yeah. and not see those in there, you'd be like, uh. But it's predatory on people who don't, who are new to the space and are actually legitimately trying to do research. So that's why I wanted to bring this up. Okay. That's why I wanted to bring this up. And I don't know like how hard I can be on you, but um, I'm going to kind of tote that line like I do. I pulled up that video. You and I scrolled through it, just scanned through it. You were playing it over the headset. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm not going to do that again because I don't want you to know which video it was. Okay. Because I'm not going to talk about brands. I'm going to do my best not to like slander um, okay. Some of them I didn't even I've never heard of. So sure. that's there's, slander there's like enough. A thousand different FDM. There's so makers. many. And I guess my point is like what I've noticed these last couple of weeks in talking to to people that are at company X, Y, and Z is they have a new person that just came in, or their 3D printing expert exited. Went, went to some other company. They really okay. liked that person, but they left. When you lose that person, people try to replace them. Or the printing just goes dead at, yeah. at your company, yeah. which is super sad to see, right? Or, you know, they'll try and pick it back up. But it's always some person that's inexperienced, not always, but a lot of times it's an inexperienced person that's going to go look on Google <laughs> Or YouTube and be like, top five, I'll yeah. check this out. Here's yeah, yeah, the top yeah. five. They already did all the homework for me. Yeah. And then you're looking at printers that you've never heard of. And of course, you've never heard of them because you've yeah. never investigated 3D printing. But it turns out no one's heard of them. <laughs> yeah. But it's the top five printer in the world yeah, yeah, yeah. in 2022. So I guess like what makes these so, what makes it so dangerous, I guess, to like hedge your professional career as in like say you're a maintenance guy and they they're like hey do you want to take up the the additive segment of our company like we're we have this initiative we're going to do this like why should that person be a little more cautious what do these printers present to them as a danger uh, cuz you had strong yeah. words <laughs> strong words before yeah Cause I just heard the video and they were talking about a printer that like they don't even sell or the whole business unit got sold off. Yep. It was like, that's a junk. That's a piece of junk. So anyway, back to the question. It won't make the list in 2023. We know that for sure. Yeah. I would say that choosing hardware of any type that there's this expectation of ROI should be taking seriously you know there is a reason like when we sell into military for example they have to go through a very elaborate justification and whether or not they end up buying the best thing who knows but they're going to buy something that that accomplishes uh what they set out to accomplish right because it's a very elaborate and extensive search 
And um, I would say that there's a good reason for that, that extra effort. Doing YouTube level research. It's the fastest and easiest. I know, but the reality is the people making those videos, one, probably have never seen any of these printers, let alone use them. They're just going out and they- Some have though. They're scraping the web for information and then they put it into a script and then it's like a, it's they like a voice. Links. It's a it's a voice to text. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, and it just reads the marketing material. Yeah, and then it has affiliate links. It's it's the worst. This one is not like that. I'll <laughs> say that it's not one of those. Yeah, it's it's a little more legit. And I guess this is where like a trusted resource is. There are these people on YouTube that are actually good resources. Yeah. I would um, say. Don't, when it comes to a printer, don't buy anything that you actually haven't had a part made for you and that you feel very confident describing and that you've been shown like all of the steps that were taken to get to that point. Uh, because especially when you're, when you're talking about 10, 10 K plus, you know, but although Different businesses are different, right? A small business. 10K to some people sounds like a ton of money. 1,200 might sound like a lot of money yeah. to some other people. And then other organizations, they 150K is nothing. So it's definitely relative. What I've seen is the people who spend 10K, especially if it's like their second chance, their second shot into 3D printing, it's still, they're just, they're still on the lower end For of sure. what like an industrial machine can do. And it makes me nervous that these, these folks, especially cause if something's so cheap, like say it's 500 bucks or less, if someone goes and spends that, no one's really going to get bad an eye at most companies, like yeah. even a small business, if they have some sort of AM initiative at all. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be like bummed about that, but you spend three grand and all of a sudden there's going to be some questions. Hey man, why'd you, uh, why are we going to buy this $3,000 printer? Like I got to know before yeah. I sign off on this. Um, but even 3000 is not enough to get you kind of more in the ballpark of like a real industrial system. Yeah. So, you know, an area of cost that is almost always ignored is what's the cost of downtime. So if you're buying something to serve a purpose, what is it going to cost you when it is not serving that purpose? Well, for someone who's never had one of these before, it only serves a purpose when it's printing. Well, so, that's what I'm saying. But okay, so you're buying it uh -huh. and you think I'm going to do this with it. If it doesn't do that, what is, what is the cost of the next alternative, right? I think for a lot of these people... The next alternative is just nothing. Well, it can't be nothing. For some people, it is. Well, then you don't have a business. I have worked at places where we have cheap printers, a printer, okay. I should say. Okay. And not even like we bought a, a, a different brand of benchtop printer and it was okay. higher performing than this other one that we spent like three grand on. Okay. Um. It was prior to me being there, but still. Sure. The alternative to not having successful prints was just not printing. Well, what were you doing? What were you printing? Prototypes. Okay, so you stopped prototyping? Yep. Stopped stopped having the physical prototypes. So a lot of them were scale models too. Uh-huh. Um, this was for that safety company. We yeah. I guess these things are basically they look like cranes. Yeah. Um, so to get a feel for how they worked and everything functionality, we would make these scaled down models. What were the purpose of the prototypes? Um, a little bit of function testing. Some of them folded that sort of thing. We wanted to make sure that they worked. So just functionality, um, I would say fit form function, but it kind of wasn't that, yeah. I mean, cause you're dealing with scale models. It doesn't fit the same. Um, but yeah, that was the main purpose. So how would you value the like the changes that were made based on those prototypes if they weren't made 
and they were built into your product, how would you value that? Well, if we bumped into a mistake and we'd already fabbed up whatever, it's the cost of materials plus all the labor that went into it and the lost time, which usually at that company, we had deadlines. So hard to put a value on that, but for sure there are penalties at times for not making deadlines. So yeah, but you're asking an, an engineer to do all that work. Well, I'm just saying if, if you're going, if you've been given the directive or permission or whatever to look into 3d printing, like look at the cost of it not working out. Even if it's like, Hey, we had to stop printing and you lose the leadership loses confidence in the printing. So you lose it forever. That cost is huge. That that's really where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. With the danger, that to me is the biggest danger of these these top five lists. Yeah, and these very budget printers. Now they can for sure serve a purpose, and I do think sure. it's good. I've mentioned this a million times on our podcast. Like, you should learn with something, and if you're a yeah. hobbyist, you can spend the time to tweak it and tune it and yeah. make it right. We've talked about that. If get the printer that you can afford for sure. Yeah, but when it comes to business. And making those justifications, my fear is that people buy off this top five list, realize they don't have the expertise in-house to keep the thing running, and quickly it just stops working and it gets shelved. Time, And then they don't reinvest. Yeah, some do, some don't. You know, that's why when Stratus has bought MakerBot, you know, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. On one hand, you know it's going to feed the market up into the industrial machines because you know... Some people are going to be successful and want more. Uh, some people will have a taste of success and want more. But, you know, all, other people are going to just be soured on the, on the whole experience. And, you know, you're, you're going to lose those people for a while. Just part of it. And the, you could warn someone all day. I, I, hope I, I hope I reach just one person. You could warn people all just day. Just one person. Do, especially engineers, they're going to do whatever they feel they is right. think is right. Yeah. You're not going to talk them out of it in most cases. Unless they've been burned in the past. You know? Well, we've all been burned with some type of equipment purchase, whether personally or at work. Yeah. But even then, I don't learn. I, you know how many refurbished electronics I've bought? <laughs> and they always fail every time. They always fail. And I still buy them because I think, oh, it's cheap. And then it fails. You're just that guy. Luckily, I'm by my wife is like, you cannot buy anything. I buy her like headphones. These aren't refurbished, are they? <laughs> That's her first yeah. yeah. Out of the box. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you eventually learn. But yeah. it can take a few times. I think so. I mean, I think it's like a tool. It's like any tool, right? Like you don't have to buy Snap-on. You don't have to buy what are these Matco or whatever these tool truck tools. Um, there's, there's great tools out there, but they cost more money. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if your livelihood depends on that tool working, being there and doing its job when you need it to, then you pay that money. Sure. And that doesn't mean that it won't break. It just means that it's not likely to have the, the dumb failures that like a craftsman quarter inch drive way less likely to socket wrench has, and it will be replaced if it does fail. That's why you do it. Well, see, and even that, (laughs) This is totally off topic, but like now that we're going down the tool road, even the warranty, like I can take it anywhere that sells craftsmen to get it replaced isn't enough for me anymore. Like I was, I was the type that was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to buy craftsmen because one, it's, it's affordable. They sell them everywhere and I can replace anything, anytime, anywhere. And I think their return policy is actually different now, but even if it was just take it to the store and Mm -hmm. get a new one off the shelf. Now I'm like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. And I exactly. also have broken enough of these quarter inch, quarter inch socket wrenches, like not abusing them. I'm not putting yeah. a pipe wrench on there. I could just as easily go to a three eighths wrench and just put an adapter on it, but I'm breaking them. And I'm like, I'm not going to get another one of these. Cause I know it's going to break again. Yeah. And so on certain things, yeah, I'm not going to quit working with tools. I'm just going to buy a better tool. So yeah, I, th- I think you're right. A lot of people will stick with it and learn to just like take a step sure. up. We are of the mentality of buy once, cry once here. 
it's kind of one of those things like if you have to do this like i hope you enjoy it and i hope the next time you come to buy um it's a buy once cry once mentality like we want to get you into a good machine uh, that you're not going to have these problems with well for the record i've yet to see any of our customers actually cry (laughs) that's great point great Um, point Although we did used to have someone who would cry calling into tech support. No. I, yeah. A customer? A customer, yeah. Tell me about it. He was under a lot of stress. It was a it was an additive Solid customer. Solidworks customer. customer. Uh-huh. What kind of stress has you crying? He was a business owner. And every time he ran into the, any even the smallest hiccup, he was on the phone. And just, it was difficult. You, <laughs> it was difficult. Could you hear the tears being shed? Yeah, it's not like bawling, but you you knew that he was tearing up and, and legit crying. It was actually terrible. So terrible. Do we, is he still a customer of ours? Uh, I assume so. I hope so. Now, this, this is going back 10, uh, this is going back 12 years now for me. So... Yeah, I mean, our, our customers and the people we work with are doing serious things and they have serious consequences, you know, if when and serious upside too. goes both ways. Serious business. It is business. So serious application. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's a good episode. Hey, they're all good. Not bad. Hey, I also have news from Juicy Filaments. OK, let's finish off with that. Um, they've made an acquisition. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a machine acquisition and they have since, uh, <laughs> they have since, uh, made some, some sales. Okay. And, uh, they may be well on their way to developing their first legitimate materials. Okay. So really? Yeah. And I've been told like, <laughs> it makes me think of Willy Wonka every uh-huh. time, like those, uh, those little gobstoppers that have the flavors of like the three course meals and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's coming. Oh so my god! Okay. Keep, keep your eyes peeled, and uh, maybe one of these days, Juicy Filaments will have an actual website. Maybe, maybe Nano Dimension <laughs> will buy Juicy Filaments. If we can keep this going long enough, you and I can just retire on Juicy Filaments. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the uh, announcement. You know. Uh, we had strategically invested in Juicy Filaments, a leader in uh, three-course uh, flavored. <laughs> in scented filaments that are safe to flavored smell. Flavored filaments. <laughs> well, that's all. I love it. That's all I've got for today. Right. Um, one big chunk of news and a weird YouTube yeah, where YouTube cool. is the YouTube. All right. I love it. Till uh, next week, I guess. TTYL. See ya. <laughs>